Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to the Wednesday Night Wars podcast right here on Fightful.com. I am Mr. Warren Hayes sitting in for Sean Ross Sapp, who is out uh, getting a haircut. Essentially, Sean is is out in, a, uh, t- in AEW tonight. He's over in Cleveland. Got a little set up with, uh, with uh, AEW with Brandy Rhodes to get his haircut, but there'll be more of that over the next couple of days. Co-opted. 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 Yes, indeed. And uh, and uh, he'll be he'll be back. He'll be telling you all about what happened because he's going to dig it. But he did it for a good cause. I haven't even seen the haircut yet. No one's seen the haircut as of yet. We're really looking forward. That you know that of. We know that of. I mean, it's of. been rumored. We've seen yeah. we've seen pictures of of locks of hair. But that's pretty much it. But tonight, we're going to be talking about AEW and NXT right here on the Wednesday Night Wars podcast. And tonight, I am joined by Jeremy Lambert, who is taking up half of the screen right now. Jeremy, introduce us to say hello to the folks while I fix the screen again. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Uh, it's good to be here, filling in, bumping things around, making Warren's job harder. Like, That's what I like why to is do. It that? This is ridiculous. <laughs> well, at least I'm glad you're here, Jeremy. Jeremy might be podcasting with the for the very last time with glasses tonight, folks. So do mark that on your calendars. Might be a historic event, and it's always a historic event when we have Alex Pulaski with us. Alex, how you doing? I- I'm I'm doing well. Um, let's let's talk about. Wednesday wrestling, which is the best day wrestling. <laughs> that's and that's why we want Alex <laughs> on for this type of high level <laughs> analysis. And if you want more of that, yes. you can uh, subscribe to Fightful Select uh, over at fightfulselect.com, where you will get more of Alex Pulaski and his sour graps stuff. Alex, uh, Alex also uh, Alex contributes uh, these shows where he gives you well an outright negative review. Of everything that has to do with WWE Raw and SmackDown twice a week. It's listen, it's an honest review. I call them like I see them. I just see things that suck. 
So, you know, and, uh, uh, so uh, it's also the best way to support Fightful, of course, right uh, by heading over to, to Fightful Select and becoming a member there. You've got all sorts of tiers, all sorts of goodies, all sorts of great stuff. And if you want to show a little love here this evening, well, you can drop us a super chat as well. And I will read your question or comment or statement on the air right here live because obviously I need to invest in different broadcasting <laughs> software so that Jeremy stops taking over. So guys, Sean has established this tradition. Let's let let's go with it. Let's move forward. In one word, Alex, who won tonight, AEW or NXT? And <laughs> E- that doesn't exist. W. That's that's got that's bunk. That's just bunk. A X T. Jeremy, what about you? One word. Bruiserweights. Not the thing. But okay. Jesus, <laughs> how does Sean control you people? Uh, <laughs> this is this is like this is like when there's a substitute teacher <laughs> and we decide to just totally screw with you. Because you don't actually have authority, man. It's 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 a hard. I find it's a hard one this week because I don't think either show was particularly strong. But I think I think NXT had some overall better matches. But we're going to start by talking about AEW tonight, where uh, oddly enough, this week, Jeremy, uh, usually or before we do, we just have a, excuse me, we have a super chat that just popped in. That, that, that arrived from uh, from DJ Cass, who says, "Am I the only one who thought the main event of NXT went too long?" Uh, I I caught a bit of it. I thought it I thought it went pretty well. Alex, you were on NXT duty tonight. What do you think? Well, I mean, they they're it's, they're doing this thing now with all the D- Dusty Classic stuff has to last twenty minutes. So, uh, and I, it was it was not the best Broserweights match in the tournament. That was the first round. Um, uh, but I mean, it was, it was, it was not what I expected from the match. It was, it was very good, but it wasn't like this thing where like, Oh my God, the grizzled young vets are on the map now. Even if, even though they lost, that was some amazing stuff. I've seen them do better in you, you WWE sure. and the NXT UK matches than what I saw tonight. So I was, that was a little, off, which is why it was difficult to like go NXT AEW because both things had were good, but not great. So it's hard to like you know, yeah. All right, well let's move let's move on. Let's actually get into AEW. I teased it. Now we're gonna jump in. It starts off oddly enough, like I was about to say, Jeremy, with with a promo, whereas uh, an opening talky talk segment, whereas uh, usually. Uh, our boys over at uh, at AEW, uh, Jeremy, they they start off hot with a match week after week, uh, mixing it up a little bit. Um, basically, with John Moxley coming out saying that the fun and games with Jericho are done since he was stabbed in the eye, which usually is a, which is usually something that happens. Um, he uh, he says, you know, that he's he ha- he's never been a saint, but Jericho is definitely not a saint as well. Referencing to a bunch of stuff he's done in the past, going back as talking about the time he stole Rey Mysterio's mask and he once punched a lady. Jeremy, I thought that was some interesting callbacks right there. 
Yeah, they they've been doing some callbacks to WWE throughout this entire feud. So I didn't have a problem with with Moxley doing that. My issue with Moxley right now is I can't take him serious with that eye patch, looking too much like uh, Solid Snake from you know the the video or, games or Snake Pliskin from Escape yeah. from New York. Yeah, like one of the snakes. He's, he's just looking like he's one of the snakes. <laughs> or people have compared him to like a bad Bond villain. It's just, <laughs> all right, what are, you, what are you doing here, Moxley? I, I like this promo. It was good. I like Jericho's portion a lot better. I thought Jericho had some really good one-liners in there outside of the fact that he compared Moxley to Captain Jack Sparrow, which is like the only pirate that doesn't wear a jacked-up, cracked-up version of Jack Sparrow, which is probably why... <laughs> That was probably brought up because of the eye patch. Uh, he, yeah, Jericho talked about seeing Moxley's mom backstage. Yeah, it was sure. Uh, the rest of the inner circle comes out after uh, Jericho's bit, uh, and um, and they say uh, they say um, or actually he says Moxley basically says I can take the five of you guys on because I've got all of the people of Ohio to fight with me. Okay. But then Santana and Ortiz brought out five dudes, five thugs from South Bronx to bring it up to 10 on one. And they all start brawling. And then security and officials come to break it up, uh, despite the fact that uh, that Moxley was able to uh, hit the uh, paradigm shift on Ortiz. Um, not quite sure what this ended up doing. Uh, I'm because Moxley was able to walk away from this. I'm I'm a little confused by this outcome, Jeremy. I don't know what you think. I didn't like this at all. It felt very long. The crowd seemed like they were out of it. First off, the Cleveland crowd is a bunch of cowards. Uh, Sean was there. Carlos, Carlos Toro. I'm <laughs> calling you out as well. Like y'all should have jumped the crowd or jump jumped into the jump the inner circle. Moxley really? said. It yeah. was all of them. Moxley gave you permission. That yeah. holds up. That holds up in court. Right. If they arrest you for jumping the barricade, they'd say, that man with the microphone told me I could. Yeah. What? I no mean, we've seen, we've seen people get away with worse things on wrestling shows, so why couldn't they jump the barricade and attack the inner circle? So Cleveland stands for cowards now. Uh, I didn't yeah, I didn't really care for the, the ending portion of this segment. It just felt very long. And like you said, Warren, we're not used to these 20-minute opening promos from AEW, and that's exactly what this was. It was a 20-minute you know, segment. With, with all the feuds here and there that inner circle are, are picking with a lot of people – I'm kind of surprised that no one came out to help out Mox. You know, we, we have the alpha male complex in WWE where, you know, uh, oh, despite the fact that Roman Reigns gets attacked by seven other guys, no one in the locker room comes out to save him kind of thing because he's the alpha male, so he has to handle his business all by himself. To me, it always ends up, Roman always ends up looking stupid. Or I'm like, why doesn't he have any friends? And I kind of felt that with Mox. And I said, why is no one coming out? It's, it's a 10 on one. at so, And, uh, you know, the Bucks have uh, have a past with Santana and Ortiz. Uh, uh, where was Dustin Rhodes? Doesn't he have a thing with Jake Hager? Like, there could have been. Darby and private party were so facing him in the main event. That like, could have added a little heat to the main event. That's a great idea. So I don't know. I just, it, it, it felt a little strange to me. Speaking of strange, we got an MJF vignette where he <laughs> went into a butcher shop. You like this? This was good. 
Yeah, okay. Alex is excited. I think I'm going to yeah, throw this, this one to Alex. MJF shows up in a butcher's shop to give the butcher the blade and the bunny a, a an envelope written in cursive, young bucks on it. We assume that there's money inside, uh, and uh, the butcher, the blade, and the bunny, who were in their work attire, suddenly morph into their spooky suits. Alex, what do you think about this? This was so great. AEW needs to do this. It needs to. Like, the, the thing that separated Lucha Underground from every other thing with wrestling, the reason why it was so interesting to, to, a, to a small subsect of people, and people who didn't watch it, if you would show it to them, they were like, hey, that's cool. That partic- in particular is very cool. All their backstage stuff wasn't like somebody with an inner... Please welcome my guest at this time, Wrestler X. That's not how they tell stories. They tell stories with scripted, dramatic scenes that always, because it was Lucha Underground, had something supernatural to them. Um, but the idea that, like, MJF, like, instead of, like, saying, oh, hey, I paid the Blade and the Butcher to beat up the Young Bucks, showing us him go to their place of business, which, by the way, the, the Butcher and the Blade, actual butchers, awesome. Um, but he comes into the back door and there's like a side of beef hanging by there and the door shuts in a really loud way and MJF like jumps, um, like all of that. And then handing the thing over to the bunny, uh, and then the camera pans as they leave and then pans back to them and they've immediately changed into all their spooky stuff. That's so great. It completely stands out. It's like nothing WWE would ever do. So if you want to say we, we are different. We are just as good in a lot of ways, but we also are different. Especially NXT, the one place they really suffer, and I keep hearing this from people who don't like NXT, is they don't tell stories. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they have great matches, but the storytelling is is leaves something to be desired outside of the top stuff that they're doing with, like, Cole and Ciampa. Everything else is kind of like, hey, there's this match that happened, and because this person won that match, he could have a match with somebody else. And all those matches are great, but there's no nothing tying them together. So if AEW were to embrace this kind of like um, scripted out, like outside of the ring storytelling, I think it would it would completely separate them and and make them a real force. Um, like not only just opposite NXT, but opposite all of WWE. It was so cool. That led us into uh, into our first match of the evening, where the Young Bucks defeated the Butcher and the Blade. Uh, MJF showed up on commentary alongside Wardlow to make fun of Tony Schiavone's weight. He also said that the uh, that the Jacksons were were supposed to be good Christian boys, but they've uh, they've threatened him, right? And probably the only verse that they know is Austin three sixteen, leaning hard into the uh, into the WWF references tonight. Lots of double teams from the Bucks at first until the Butcher knocks them down. Uh, the Butcher and the Blade stay in control for uh, for quite a while during the commercial, but once we're back, it's all about the Bucks. Matt hits sliced bread on Blade and a super kick on Butcher. He does his diving top rope elbow. Uh, rope, hop, rope hung swanton by the Bucks was real nice. And the Meltzer driver puts them away, and MJF is not happy about it. Jeremy, I thought this match was solid. 
Yeah, it was it was fine. I it picked up. Matt Jackson does a really good hot tag, and that's when it really picked up uh, into the closing stretch. I liked that. You know, the the butcher and the blade attacked after the match, and MJF is like, "That's what I paid you for." It's like, okay, you know, AEW tries to portray wins and losses mattering, but MJF paid mm-hmm. them to take out the Young Bucks. And so that's what they were trying to accomplish further after the match. I wish they would have used like a chair or a, or a blade. That would have been cool um, to, to like really hammer that home. And then, you know, we got the, we got the save from Hangman and Omega anyway, but I did like that MJF at least acknowledged like, all right, that's what I paid you to do. Take them out. Like the, the win and loss, are not really important as long as and you that's what they did after in the post post-match angle where they, went after uh where they went after um the uh, the bucks and Kenny Omega came out for the save alone only to realize that uh sauntering behind him a little further up the ramp uh, <laughs> jeans and a shirt unbuttoned to like exactly mid-chest a beer in hand yes. our good friend Adam Page <laughs> comes into the ring gives his cup to I think it's one of the bucks and immediately buckshot lariat's uh, the butcher, which I thought was perfect, he didn't waste emotion. Gave the glass, hit the hit the move, <laughs> grabbed the glass, and hit the bricks again. Fantastic stuff. Fin- chug the beer, finish the beer yes. before leaving. The, yep. This rule, Adam Page, the is ang- awesome. I really like the post match angle a lot more than the match. I thought it's it was really good. They're doing. Uh, uh, tell me more, Jeremy. But they're doing a great job with Adam Page over the past couple of weeks. They, so he didn't have in the early stages of Adam Page was just like, we're kind of pushing him, we're giving him the title shot, but he's also going 20 minutes with Kip Sabian for no real reason. And there just wasn't much to him. But these past few weeks with the whole drinking stuff, Adam Page is very charismatic. When I talked to this guy uh, at StarCast, one of my favorite interviews of StarCast because he is just off mm-hmm. the cuff, witty and funny and can really carry things. And they're letting him show that here with, with this kind of new character. So I'm very happy to, to see this. They're from doing Adam a fantastic Page. It's good job stuff. with them. Dante V left us, a super, uh, left us a super chat. That was harder to say than it uh, seems. Thank you very much. He says uh, this uh, vignette was great. I wish they put the Brandy Therapy vignette on Dynamite. Butcher Blade should have won the match, though. Uh, Gentlemen, any thoughts on, uh, first of all, the Brandy Therapy vignette being on Dynamite? Would that have been a good idea? How about... (laughs) Go ahead, Alex. I mean, I'll I'll say about about the the end of the match. I think the Butcher Blade could have won it uh, if you were going to have... If you're going to have... Kenny Omega come down and Adam Page come down and do his hold my beer moment and the buckshot lariat thing, then the, the Butcher and the Blade should have won the match. If you're going to have uh, the 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 Butcher and the Blade lose the match, they need to come out on top on the beatdown. Otherwise, there's, n- there's no reason for MJF to ever hire them to beat up people again. And I think I think he's going to. Over and over and over again, because I think that's what they're setting up the Butcher and the Blade as. But there's no reason in storyline for him to ever trust them to complete their mission. Why would he pay them money when they can't come through? So you have to pick one or the two. Either he, they win the match, and then they get they get beaten up, or they lose the match, and then they beat up the Young Bucks. One of the two has to happen. 
Next, we had Nyla Rose defeating Big Swole to uh, cement herself as the number one contender for the uh, AEW World Women's Championship. This was a match that happened. Uh, it always, <laughs> always breaks my heart when uh, when uh, the AEW Women's Division falls short, and it did again tonight. Quite unfortunately, I thought the offense was slow. It was a little soft. Nyla Rose hit one of the worst spears I have seen in a long time, especially coming off just a couple of days ago when you had Edge hitting some of the best spears of his career and his return. Uh, and we're ending up with Nyla Rose and Rio again. Uh, Jeremy, I don't know what... I At this stage, I don't know what AEW can do with their women's division, uh, especially what, when you look at what happened on Dark earlier this week. It's for the highs... That happened. There are so, so many lows, confusing lows, because with the talent that they have, I don't think they, they should be having this much problem. I like that Swole did the Kobe shout out with the fadeaway. That, that's my only positive from this match. It, it wasn't good. As you said, it was slow. The offense did not look good. Just their their women's division is, is a mess. Like, no one has any real traits that you can get behind. No one's on TV established. Like, it's Baker and Riho, and, and Baker's done – we'll talk about her later, but I think she's fantastic right now. And I, I'm a big fan of Riho, but the rest of these women, they're just, like, there. Their records are all, like, around 500, and I, I don't really know, like, what they're building to. They, there's no real – so you mentioned stories earlier, Alex. Like, there's no stories in the the AEW women's division no, outside no. of Britt Baker. Nope. That uh, there you go. I mean, that's a confirmation right there. <laughs> no, there aren't. I mean, this, no, no, no. I mean, like, this is the thing is that I, I I'm looking at this and I, I agree. There are several women um, who I feel like would benefit from uh, I don't know a storyline or being pushed in a way that I like Rio too, but I don't like her as champion. Because it's there's she's not there and there's no connection to her either way. Like, I mean, uh, uh, do do we hate her? Do we like her? Is, is she she's is small. she there? She, <laughs> she's small and and she wears like this baby doll outfit. So I guess she's an underdog. Great, awesome. And and, and what? Like you you have? I mean, I think there's a there's a there's a time that you could actually push Rio as the face of your women's division and and see what see where that goes. Starting out your women's division in that way is really hard. Either you have to have some monster heel everyone has to chase, and maybe that's what they're going to do with Nyla Rose, put the title on her and let everybody chase her. Or you have somebody that's charismatic, that gets people into it, wants, wants somebody, like, we want to watch this person defend their title, heel or or face, something. But right now, it's just like nothing. It's just no, There's just nothing there. But Britt Baker is is becoming a heel you would want to see beat, but she's not a part of this title match, so she's not going to be a champion. But here's the thing soon. as well: is that Britt, and we've talked about it multiple times on the show, as, as Britt is not ready to be in a position where she has to carry anything as far as the women's division goes. She may be developing a really good character right now, but. She, as we've seen multiple times, she's still a little, uh, a little greenish. Uh, whereas they have women that have, um, there, there are women that they have currently right now signed that they are just 
completely not using, who have the experience, who have the who have put in the matches and the hours, and I'm just thinking of B Priestley off the top of my head, that they're sitting on and not doing anything. I understand that she has her obligations with stardom, that's fine. But something has to happen here, and there's there's something in the production, there's something in how these matches are put together that that's just not clicking. And I honest, and I think it goes beyond stories. I think it goes beyond uh, creating compelling characters. There's something within the composition of how they put their matches together with, which is just, it's just not there. It's not happening. As the kids like to say, it ain't it. But anyway. It's not. It's not it. Good, good, thank good you. reference thank there, you. I'm hip with the youth. Tank Bearclaw left us a super chat saying, this was a match, you guys. Referencing my my catchphrase. Thank you very much for that, Tank. Cody Rose defeated Kip Sabian in uh, in a um, in, in another match that we had here this evening. Uh, Sabian, I like the idea that he just went straight off after Cody when the match started. Hit a gut buster immediately on him. Arn Anderson is there ringside as well, and he starts to get involved, starts shoving uh, Arn Anderson around, and props to Kip Sabian. I would never shove Arn Anderson around. That's the last guy I want to do. Maybe him and Dan Moff are two guys I would never want to push around. Um, They trade some strikes, uh, Cody and Sabian, on the floor, uh, but Cody accidentally knocks out Penelope Ford, but we find out it's a ruse. As Cody picks her up and Sabian runs and kicks Cody down, Penelope shifts her weight in a body press. Ha ha ha, they're such in tune. Um, cut to a commercial where there's a lot of, where most of Sabian's offense gets in. Uh, Penelope hits the heel move of the night by keeping Cody from tossing his weight belt into the into the audience. And then Arn starts arguing that uh, that Penelope was going to use her shoe when he gets into the ring, gets into a confrontation with the referee. The referee tosses him because he chest bumps him. And then on the outside, a little later, uh, Penelope and Kip Sabian come to kiss each other right on the, the, the corner of the ring. But Joey Janela pops out out of nowhere to and, and get eats the kisses between them both. Anyway, look, this all ends with uh, this all ends with a, a, a couple of uh, of crossroads for for Cody. This was a little overbooked for my taste, Jeremy. This I've liked just about everything Cody has done in AEW. This was, well, as hey. the kids say, not it. Um, <laughs> it the you know, Orin got tossed, and I was like, oh, that's kind of neat, like. Maybe that'll show like Cody does need him in his corner because he can't win without Arn and it establishes how important he is. It's like, no, Cody just kind of wins anyway. And Kip Sabian's just, I, yeah, overbooked is the right word for it. I, Kip Sabian doesn't do a whole lot for me. I kind of feel bad for Joey Janela. It's just I'm not a fan of the this match overall and just the I way they put odd it together. That they put Sabian in a match here where he's in a feud with Joey Janela that could help get. He and Janela over, but they're putting Sabian in positions where he has to take the L. It's kind of strange. We, it's the same thing with like um, Alex said, like with the mm-hmm. Butcher and the Blade. You, you're going to pay these guys off to try to build them up, but then you just beat them down. Then it's like, okay, why are we taking these guys serious? Uh, we have a couple of more super chats. We have uh, Tim Trevor who left us one, good friend of the show, show, just saying, just having a snack. 
Well, it's fantastic. I hope uh, I hope it's a good one, a tasty one. Tank Bearclaw left us uh, left us another super chat. Says, would AEW benefit from a women's tournament event to get some possible motivations for its division? I like that idea, Jeremy. What do you think about an AEW women's uh, tournament? It's better than what they're doing That's a now. Classic point. Highlight of the night here: Britt Baker comes out to uh, to to crap some more on Tony Schiavone and on Jr. as well, saying, "You sit there in smug judgment yeah. of my division, my generation, sitting there collecting a big paycheck. Stop being a barbecue salesman who can't even get our women's divisions names right, Jim. And here I am sitting here, and I'm like, has someone been reading my Twitter timeline and taking copious notes because it sounds pretty verbatim to what I, I often tweet? Uh, and she diagnoses... Tony Schiavone with Tony Schiavone with moderately to severe gingivitis, which I thought was fantastic, and ends by saying that Cleveland finally has a baker they can trust in. Alex, I don't know if you got the whole of the promo, but this was this was really really. Yeah, no, Wait, no. did you did you get the reference for the one? baker? No, that's why I'm throwing it immediately to you guys. <laughs> Alex, did you uh, what, did did you get to see the uh, promo? I did not get to see the the Baker reference. I did, however, get to see um, the uh, the J the Jr. Uh, barbecue. These <laughs> are just a a bar a sloppy barbecue salesman who can't even get the names of the talent right. And I'm like, that's is it. she a heel or a truth teller? <laughs> like that's she's just telling the truth. Like that's the, no lies detected. Like that's that's some good stuff right there for Britt Baker. Britt Baker was out there shooting <laughs> on Jr. and Shivani. I love this promo. I, I like that, as Alex said, complete truth telling on her part. She sounded a lot more comfortable mm-hmm. this week, and maybe that was due to the wind and everything wasn't completely messing her up on that cruise. Um, and I, I like the the shot at Cleveland at the end because they're cowards, and so make fun of their quarterback who was overrated. Yo. Backstage, we have the elite. Uh, the Bucks are saying uh, that they're they're going to climb to the top of, of the uh, of the division to get a shot at the titles. Sure, and Paige arrives with his uh, he, with his belt, new with his nameplate newly affixed, and hands the Bucks their nameplates for when they're they're eventually going to win the title. So he's basically saying, you're, "Yeah, you're eventually going to win them off of us." Not quite sure what that meant, but it was a fun little moment nonetheless. It did set up. An eight-man tag next week for all four members of the Elite versus Butcher and the Blade. And a team of their choosing, which turns out to be the Lucha Brothers. Why would you pick yeah, them? I don't know. Because they have a... Do they have a winning <laughs> record against the Bucks, maybe? I don't know. I, I, maybe, but I don't think they have a winning record against anybody else. They've been... No, there's, there, there are a couple of, of, of tag teams that are horribly mismanaged booking-wise in, in AEW. It's 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 the Lucha Bros who are... Uh, I mean, like, Pentagon at least has an inter- an amazing look. His whole aesthetic would be is would be super interesting to, like, teenage boys. Like, you could, you could really draw in an, an audience even more and more. And Phoenix is outstanding. And the inner tag team, we're going to see them later, uh, are Evans and Angelico, who are amazing athletes and just get booked like now absolute Let's talk totally. about it. Where SCU defeated Hybrid 2, Angelico and Jack Evans. 
SCU come out in uh, wearing uh, Kobe's colors, numbers, number. Um, and uh, SCU get a lot of uh, get a lot of double team offense here. Um, Evans eats one of those one of Kazarian's nutsoid Germans where he just lands way too awkward, awkwardly on his neck. Kazarian, he, I don't know if he does it on purpose or if he needs to pull back a bit, but he, his Germans have been looking particularly dangerous for the past couple of weeks. Um, during the commercial, Sky eats a lot of the heel offense, and you know what, Jeremy? I don't know if you noticed, but I sort of took note of it. A lot of the heel offense and all of the matches we saw so far was happening during the commercial. And then we'd come back to the babyface offense. Um, I don't know. It kind of kind of graded me a little bit. I, I did not notice that. Um, but that's a, that's a good spot by you. And yeah, if the, the weird thing when they do these commercial breaks is like Jim Ross is like, we're not going anywhere. Don't go anywhere. And then they go to commercial, and of course they do the the picture in picture stuff. But how many people are like really paying attention to that picture picture stuff? And like, how much does that really get somebody over? So if you're trying to establish these heels, and and th- this is kind of an issue, they haven't like there's MJF, there's Jericho. Like, am I missing like really established heels on the the men's side that I, I just can't think no, of that's right now? Much it. There's so yeah they're they're not doing a great job and and Alex just mentioned it about the the tag teams with Angelico and Jack Evans like I didn't care about mm-hmm. this match I never bought that Evans and Angelico were going to win I thought it's like all right let's just give SCU a, a bounce back win and that's exactly what it was and it's like all right cool like it, sometimes you need that but. I, I didn't have a reason to care about this match because they haven't done anything with Evans and Anelico. They're just guys. And I don't think the audience was really into it as well. Kazarian did his best to wake the crowd, no. the crowd up with a spinning flapjack uh, and a cutter as well. I find Anhelico is unmotivated. I think he's very, very loose and not very crisp. But an SCU later ends this match. Well, he's having he's having an identity crisis. He can't understand. He can't decide if he's the skeleton. Or the, the a map of the central nervous system. He's he's just basically split down the middle. He can't decide which way to go. I mean, I understand it's very existential. We have a quick. You've made more sense of this and, than uh, they straight have, off the so. bat right there. <laughs> way too much thought put into it. The uh, the Dark Order appear on screen to say uh, to tell uh, Christopher Daniels that the Exalted One is unhappy with him and that he's going. They're going to target his brothers in SCU. Okay, I thought Christopher Daniels was feuding with Pentagon. Uh, whatever. We get another vignette with Pac, who says that he's coming for Kenny Omega. He's like, yeah, Kenny Omega. I'm fi- I'm glad you finally acknowledged me. Yeah, like three weeks ago. But uh, I, th- um, I think... I, this was I, I another just, thing. I, I'm going to throw it to you, Alex. I think, you know, he says that he uh, things are happening on his timetable. He's coming for blood. Looking at the production value here, I think Pac is a vampire. Well, this is the other thing is that this this all this thing shot outside on a staircase, black and white, grainy. Like it would like it would like flip back and forth. It would like show him going back up the stairs in fast motion and then back down and all this kind of stuff. And he's fully in his gear. Um, it was it was really weird. And and listen, I love it. It felt very arty, you know, like an art house type of a thing. And uh, again, this is something that they're not doing on any WWE programming. So it just helps them to stand out. And I, and I, I see stuff like this, and this is 
Like, if you're going to do pre-recorded promos, do them like this. They're so much more visually interesting to watch. If I see somebody being interviewed backstage or standing in what is obviously somewhere, you know, in the bowels of the arena, um, and I could, I tune out. I can listen to it kind of halfway. I'll check my phone. But all of a sudden, I see Pac in black and white coming down a staircase, and, and he's got this crazy look in his eye. Why is he in his gear? Why is he black and white? What staircase is that? Is he in a public park? <laughs> I can't look away because of because it's so different than anything else that they're presenting. So, I, I, I frankly, I don't understand why uh, you wouldn't choose to do something different than the thing that's been tried and true and, well, definitely tried, not so much true anymore, over and over and over again in the other place. I still pack, think Pack is a vampire. Next week, uh, Cody takes his <laughs> 10 lashes and we're going to get Britt Brit Baker versus Yuka Sakazaki. Well, that'll be fun. Main event time, Darby and Private Party lost to Chris Jericho and Santana and Ortiz. Um, this, uh, look, to me, the MVP of this match was Darby Allen, uh, And I'm going to throw it rapidly to you, uh, Jeremy. Uh, I thought he had a great explosive exchange with Jericho at first. Uh, I loved the, his dropkick and his lucha arm drag that sent Jericho cowering in his corner after Jericho was like flexing and thinking he was some kind of tough guy. Uh, and his uh, his hot tag that he got was mwah, spectacular. Got the crowd on its feet. It was so, so good. Hit a tope and a sunset bomb. And he even did a, a coffin drop to the outside onto Jake Hager. Um, I thought uh, I thought he was the unparalleled star of this match. Yeah, Darby is so good in this role. And Jericho is, is clearly willing to give him these moments, give him these spots. Cody's talked about just continuing to, to put Darby over. And Darby always gets a reaction from the crowd as well. He's one of those guys where, you know, they talked about building a lot of people up and we want them to build a lot of people up. Darby is a guy they've handled very well, even though he hasn't actually Mm -hmm. won a whole lot. Like he's actually lost a whole lot, but, but he's still over because of his uh, gimmick and just his, his connection with the crowd. I thought Darby was a big shining star in this match, especially compared to private party where it looked like they had something with them early, especially after beating the young bucks. And now the crowd is just kind of lukewarm towards them and they still do cool moves and stuff, but there's just, there's not a whole lot else to private party. At least there, it seems like there should be more with after them. the match, the uh, inner circle beat up the baby faces. They focus particularly on Darby and uh, they attack him with the skateboard hit him straight in the throat. I think it was Sammy Guevara who actually went for it. And then John Moxley runs in. See, he, he doesn't care. He'll run in and save the day. Runs in with a lead pipe. Starts swinging it around. Takes out oh. the bad guys. Where are the goons, though, Jeremy? Where are the five extra guys that uh, that Santana and Ortiz he- brought in? They, no, they, they oh. got paid by the hour. They were let go after hour <laughs> one. Um, uh, no, uh, Moxley came out with a black baseball bat. Okay, here's this crazy thing. If you make Over a comparison year, with Sting, Dean I swear. Ambrose... This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Dean Ambrose has morphed so gradually into Crow Era Sting that I didn't even notice it as it was happening. But he's made the full transformation now, guys. Basically, all he's got to do is sit up in the rafters and wear the face paint. He's no. him now. He's got the he's got the eye patch, which is maybe the first step to the yeah. face paint. <laughs> he comes down through he comes down through the crowd, which is close and, to the rafters. He's but he's got the bit he's got the black baseball bat, which is like if you got the black baseball bat, you're ninety percent of the way there. And that's <laughs> the way he's doing like the one to the ribs, one to the back, one to the ribs, one to the back, over and over again. I'm, I'm ending these takes right. right here. That was AEW Dynamite for tonight. <laughs> Let's start talking about NXT. <laughs> Um, just before we get into it, we saw an enigmatic image tonight. We had five circles appear. Three of them had numbers in them. The number five, the number 20, the number two. Oh, and by the way, if you want to send us a super chat, by the way, if you want to support the show, that's still a great day, a great way to do it right here. And I'll read your statement. Don't forget. Also subscribe to Fightful Select. But coming back to these circles, very enigmatic appeared. Didn't know exactly. It wasn't tied into the show anywhere, Alex. Alex, I know that you're very yep. uh, you're high on uh, numerology. I know you know you look to the stars yeah, quite a bit. Sure. You're high on uh, you're very yeah. uh, high on uh, things yep. that happen in the stars. Uh, cart- uh, cartomancy. Um, tell me, Alex, what does yes. all this mean? Well, if you understand now, the uh, the number two uh, is all the all the numbers uh, uh, correspond to letters of the alphabet. So it's uh, number two, it's B. Number five is E. Number twenty is T. B E T. Black Entertainment Television. Now, <laughs> if you look over here, now, I don't know. Um, I, I will say that it, it also appears to be the date uh, two five twenty. Yeah, uh, that's what I got from it. Which, 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 which uh, the problem was that they didn't do it in that order. They did like two twenty five, and I was like, ah, oh, two times twenty five. That's uh, fifty. <laughs> uh, fifty what? And no, oh, it's a date. Oh, it's two two, uh, two five twenty next week. Oh, what's that? Oh, well, I'm, what I'm hoping is what I'm thinking is probably going to uh, be a Velveteen Dream sure. return, um, which is which the, the thing about him is that, um, God, man, uh, I, I love him so much. And he's such a charismatic, amazing presence. Like he's the kind of guy who could draw eyes to NXT just by being on there every week. You know, he's going to ha- have something to say, a match, whatever. I feel like he went out right after they debuted on NXT. And I don't know if he had been there the whole time as North American champion for a while, a feud with Roderick Strong, whatever, if that would have kept um, NXT closer to AEW and ratings. I I, I don't, I have a theory that it might have, and I guess we might be able to see that depending on what they do with him, because they just put his old title on Keith Lee. And it feels kind of weird to like insert the Velveteen dream into that area, considering what they're doing with Keith Lee right now. But I'm looking forward to it, whatever happens. Penis jokes, Alex. That's what they're going to do with Velveteen Dream. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yes. <laughs> so almost certainly. Finn Balor defeated Trent Seven after uh, an attack in in the parking lot area where Finn Balor choked Trent Seven with the, his car door. We all thought that this was maybe leading to a match with Tyler Bate, but we're not so lucky. Not yet. Not yet. I'm. Ho- I, I'm. I'm. I, I was. I. I 
assumed it was going to be more one-sided, the Finn Balor uh, versus Trent Seven match, like, and, and then him just keep wailing on him, and then Tyler has to run out and make the save, and they make the match Tyler Bate versus Finn for next week. Um, I think it's very smart to keep Finn occupied mm-hmm. and away from Gargano. The first time we see those two dudes touch each other from now un- until TakeOver should be in that ring at TakeOver. Make it make it th- that kind of a thing. Um, but I, I, I love Trent Seven. I think it's really – he's like – He's like your your crazy uncle decided to be a a, a wrestler. He's, he's a he's, he doesn't he doesn't look like he belongs at all. Like he's not he's not so so big and like out of shape, like fat or whatever. They're like, oh, that that's his gimmick. He's a fat guy, and he's and you know like he's got this crazy hair, the giant beard, and the pointy mustache. I, I he looks totally different than everybody else, and I I love watching him because he shouldn't be able to do some of those things that he does. Um, but yeah, he, he wasn't going to win this match versus Finn Balor. Finn Balor is completely overpowered right now. Uh, nobody's going to take, take him on. That's why I wanted to see him versus Tyler Bate because I wanted to see that, that, you know, where Tyler Bate does all of his awesome stuff and it just has no effect on, on, uh, Finn Balor. Cause he's got the cheat code yeah, right now. Yeah. T- Trend seven is, is legitimately me wrestling. That's exactly what I'd look like. That's. <laughs> precisely that uh this was an okay match uh this was an okay match seven hits his uh, ddt snapdragon the seven star lariat hit the hits basically but a shotgun drop kick the coup de grace in the 1916 put seven away i still like how finn balor pulls out all of his finishers just to put away a guy i think it's great it's savage and we're heading towards the match with johnny gargano this was fine it was an okay opening nothing special just okay the Bros Awaits cut a promo that uh, put a nice focus on their odd couple niche, which was good. And then mm-hmm. we got our next match, which was Shotzi Block, Blockheart, Blackheart, defeating Deanna Perazzo. <laughs> Jeremy, Shotzi's got her tank. She's back on her tank. Yeah, she stole it from Sammy Guevara, who was outside of the Royal Rumble with it. <laughs> who stole it from her initially. So it, it all came it all came back around. I did like that they allowed Shotzi to to keep her tank. I know a lot of people were worried about that and it shows that hey, they're they're not taking everything away it, from it everyone. D- it just brings the character full full circle as well. Just with the, the, the look and the get up the helmet, everything. It just the the tank is sort of crucial to her thing. Now I'm only wondering if they're going to let her bring Peck Peck back because Peck Peck needs to be booked, God damn it! Shotzi goes for a springboard armbar early but is blocked by uh, Deanna who starts to arm crush it and that's the story of the match is, uh, essentially. Deanna just picking it apart but in a way, Alex, that just, she just uh, takes the arm apart in a way that only Deanna does. Like she's she's special yeah. when she starts working the arm. Yeah, she is special, uh, which is why I did not love her utilized in this way. Like, they, 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 there's got to be somebody backstage who does not have the look, the technique, the 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 the, the overall brilliance of Gianna Perazzo that you can have job out to Shotzi Blackheart. You have to. There's got to be somebody. What's Reina Gonzalez doing? Like something. Like find somebody who's on a lower level than Gianna Perazzo to. I mean, I love I love Shotzi too. It's like one of those things. Like neither one of those women should should lose. You should be building them each up as the next generation, so that when the people who are at the top now move over, 
to either SmackDown or Raw because we assume they are at some point. Um, that there's not a void where it's like, well, why would we believe in Brianna Perrazzo? All she's mm-hmm. been doing is losing. We should. It should be. Like, I don't want fifty-fifty booking either. I think that there should be women who are at the level that they need to be to work a TV match, and that's it. And then they lose matches. Not Deanna Perrazzo, who's absolutely ready right now. If you told me that I had a month to get Deanna Perrazzo ready to, to be in a title contention, I could do that easily. Like, she's certainly four weeks of episodes of her winning matches, brutalizing people with the arm bar, all that stuff. She's there. She's ready. It's weird to her, like, because this match didn't feel competitive. I know that she was working the arm a while, but it felt like it was like, oh, Shotzi won that thing pretty easily, didn't she? Yep. I, okay. I, I thought they did. I thought they did a good uh, a good job with the time that they had. Shotzi hits a, a Shotzi yes, hits a long blow, a long blower in her top rope senton for the win. On the opposite side of the spectrum, someone likes Shotzi Blackheart quite a lot someone backstage. Because let's not forget, in the number one contendership battle royal that they had, she tossed Shayna Baszler overboard when she fought Shayna Baszler. Yep. She resisted the Carefoot Clutch, Alex. And now tonight yep. she gets a clean yeah, win no. over Deanna. Yeah. Uh, someone's someone's into her. Yeah. Well, what what I'm what I'm wondering is it feels like they're do they do stuff like this. They're building her to a point and all of a sudden she's gonna meet her match. I don't know who that is. I don't know what, what that what that becomes. Um but uh yeah, there's she's definitely got a very unique uh, look, aesthetic, all that kind of stuff. They love saying like, hey, this is different from everything else. Pay attention to this. Whereas on the main roster, they uniformly make everyone the same. But in NXT, it's like, this is something you'll remember. You will remember Shotzi Blackheart if you're just passing through watching watching certain clips. You go, who's that? That's different than what I've ever seen. And they, they know how to focus on that. And that's good. We get a recap of Imperium destroying Undisputed Era at Worlds Collide this Saturday. If you haven't watched the show, it's a good one. Go watch it. Stay, stay mm. for uh, uh, go watch it, but stay for stay for DIY versus Mustache Mountain. That was some good stuff. Then we get Keith Lee who comes out. Alex, let's talk about Keith Lee's week. North American champion. Mm-hmm. Enters the Royal Rumble, goes toe to toe with Brock Lesnar in a in a weekend in a Royal Rumble that was filled with talking points. Alex, we haven't yep. talked yep. enough about Keith Lee standing toe to toe with Brock Lesnar and Brock Lesnar's reaction seeing Keith Lee hit the ring when Brock yep. Brock doesn't need to do much to put a guy over. He just has to look at a guy and go, "Huh, hmm, I'm impressed." For all of us to be like, well, if Brock Lesnar's impressed, I guess I should be impressed. A low-key but fantastic week for your boy Keith, wouldn't you say? Well, very much so. Um, what I what I did love about it is that is that the 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 being impressed thing um, was was um, was a direct result of Brock, at least Brock's character having never watched it <laughs> because he goes, Whoa, big boy. And he looks at Paul and he says, who the fuck is this motherfucker? <laughs> like he's never seen Keith Lee before in his life. And I think that's perfectly true to what we think of Brock, whether or not it was actually true uh, in, in reality. Um, and uh, and I, I, I love how he walked out of the ring with all the confidence in the world. Uh, I, I, I said I'm on sour graps hated how he was eliminated because it because Keith Lee is not a stupid guy 
and him accidentally bumping elbows with Braun Strowman and getting so pissed about that that he allows himself to be distracted long enough to be eliminated by Brock Lesnar. That's not the Keith Lee we've seen in NXT, and that's really shitty main roster booking that they did to this great guy. Um, but it was an amazing moment to have him in there one-on-one with Brock Lesnar and not back down. That's great. And and maybe maybe we get a, a Brock versus Keith Lee thing. If Brock, if, if it's true and Brock says, you and me, kid, Matt Riddle, we're never going to work together, maybe he'd actually work with Keith Lee. and Maybe he'd actually sell for a guy like that, too. You, you never know. Um, he, get, he starts cutting a promo but gets interrupted by Damian Priest, who cuts a promo himself holding the microphone like he's a four-year-old holding a spoonful of spaghetti. And then he challenges Keith Lee to the North American title for the North American title. But then Dominic Dijakovic comes out and he cuts a promo, calls Damian Priest a bootleg Marilyn Manson. And Lee's like, well, look, if you guys want to want to figure out who's going to fight, uh, who's going to fight me for the title, figure it out amongst yourselves. And he's just like, go ahead, fight. And he just books it, heads backstage. And we get. Damian Priest versus Dijakovic. I like this match quite a bit. Um, it's, it's still out, outstanding to me how you can, these two guys, strong, big dudes, are able to do what they're able to do. Um, Priest uh, hits a razor's edge on uh, on uh, on the apron uh, on the outside. Dijak suplex tosses Priest. And uh, there, the Priest hits a flatliner. Dijak hits a moonsault to the floor. Priest, Priest hits a, a, a somersault senton over the top rope to the floor that just crashes on top of Dijakovic's neck. Uh, and he, there's... there's <laughs> Priest hits a poison rana off the top rope. And these guys are too tall to be doing these kinds of moves. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but the Feast Your Eyes by Dijakovic yeah. puts it away. He's the number one contender for the North American title. We've seen Dijak and Lee before. If you've watched PWG, you've seen Dijak and Lee before. But you know what, Alex? I don't care. This is great. I I I I, I agree. It's not official. That that match was not an official number one contenders match. They have not made the Keith Lee versus Dijak match yet. But it's like they said at the end. Oh, this this means Dijak has a claim to be number one contender. Like, okay, either it's the match or it's not the match. Um, it, it means he's got momentum. <laughs> um, and um, what what I what I'm expecting is for is for Dijak to to be one of two guys to face um, uh, Keith Lee in Portland, and the other guy being uh-huh. one Velveteen Dream. I think that's I think that's your triple threat. Um, for 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 uh, for Portland, I think that that Dijak can come out next week and say I, I I should be number one contender, make me number one contender, and then we get Dream coming out and say, hold up, I think I should have that I should have that as I have that opportunity. I think that'd be really great. Um, I love this. You're right. The Poison Rana scared the hell out of me. Dijak it looked like Dijak landed directly mm-hmm. on the top of his head. Like it's just I yep. I think these guys are amazing. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. That's that's my whole thing. I feel like there's a lot of stuff that you guys are doing. Like I, I think it's an amazing thing that a guy that uh, Damian Priest's size can do that, like step on the middle rope tope thing. But today he went over and directly down, and like his butt landed directly on top of of uh, of uh, you know Dijak's spinal cord. 
and that can be a problem. That could that could be a thing that just might for, not be a good just for thing. Stuff like so, but walking, you know. Yeah, you know, you never know. Um, uh, yeah, the whole not breathing through a tube thing for the rest of your life. That's all, it's very paramount to not having a 270 pound dude land on top of your head. But I digress. Um, the match was fantastic. Uh, uh, if if Dijak is to be number one contender, we know what matches versus him and Keith yep. Lee are like. They're amazing. So why not do something like that at a takeover instead of on weekly uh, NXT TV? I'm fine. I hope they don't go with that singles match, though. I'd much rather a triple threat match. I Roderick Strong has his whole rematch claim as well. You could throw him in there if you need to. Velveteen sure. Dream, I'm all for if he's coming back. Like, love Velveteen Dream. No offense to, to Lee and Dajakovic. Love them. They'll have a great match, especially on a, a takeover setting. It just feels like I've seen that match way too often lately. We have Tommaso Ciampa who cuts a promo backstage, and he has a pipe with him which he uses to take out the three lesser members of Undisputed Era. And then he hits the ring, sets up a table, puts a nice little X on it with some spray paint that he has conveniently brought to the ring with them. And then we see in the backstage, I liked how this was produced. Meanwhile, while he's setting the table up yeah. in the ring, you see Adam Cole on the Titantron looking, uh, uh, finding his buddies. So, who did this? Who did this? It's Ciampa. He hits the ring. They have a little verbal scuffle. Champa tells him, uh, uh, Cole calls Champa a coward. Champa says that he's the guy, you who me, you know who I am? I'm the guy who never lost that title. I'm Goldie's daddy. And he says that he's going to powerbomb him right through the table. And he's challenging Cole to an, an NXT title match in Portland. And William Regal suddenly appears and he's, like, and he's really excited. How many times, Jeremy, have we seen... William Regal come out like really excited. He's like, hey, I was just backstage finishing this up with Adam Cole. I was coming out here to have you sign this. I thought that was a nice little touch to it. I like the the whole contract signing, Warren. I know you're a huge fan of, of contract signings. And this was a very clever way to do it without yes. announcing it beforehand. Because all they said was... Regal's going to announce Adam Cole's opponent, and Ciampa basically was like, I'm the opponent. I'm not waiting for your announcement. Let's sign this contract. I, I thought this was fantastic. So basically, uh, so, uh, William Regal wants to go sign the contract in the ring. Adam Cole's like, nah, 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 nah. And he takes the the little document, part document, and head, head, goes to the ring, tries to get in, tries to blindside Ciampa as he gets in, but Ciampa, Ciampa's a smarty. And he ends up uh, powerbombing Cole through a table. And somehow, Ciampa nicks his head, nicks the top of his head, powerbombing a guy through a table. And he's got blood trickling from the top of his skull all the way down to, all the way down his, his forehead. Onto, my God, what a, and, and, and he's holding, he's hugging Goldie in the middle of the ring. I mean, that's a hell of a visual, Alex. Oh, God, I loved this so much. I loved this so much. This was the best thing on NXT tonight. And that includes a match with the Broserweights, who I, who I love and am totally just enamored with. But this, him creating his own impromptu contract signing by taking out all of, all of Cole's back, uh, backup backstage. They're not going to be involved now. They can't come and jump me. I'm going to bring this table in with me into the ring. Boom. I'm going to put a big X on it. I thought he was going to do NXT, being like, <laughs> I'm NXT or whatever. But it's fine. 
And then he puts out a pen. And when he, when he dropped the pen, I was like, I bet you Warren Hayes found a contract signing that he actually <laughs> likes. Because I love this. Um, and the, the Cole thing was great, too. Because I, I, what I love about Cole is that he genuinely feel like I feel like he genuinely cares about mm-hmm. his, his henchmen. Like, you beat up these, what the hell, man? That That's uncalled for. And he's, I also love that he's not ducking this. He could have easily said to Regal when Regal came out here, saying, no, I'm not going to face that guy. That guy's a maniac. No, 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 I'm not ducking anything. I'm coming down to the ring. And I love that Regal was, was about to say, you don't get this match anymore because you're uncontrollable. That That's something that Regal would absolutely do. I was going to give you this match, but because of the way you've just been acting, you don't get it anymore. And Adam Cole is the one to say, no, 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 no. Boss, mm-mm. I got this. I will face you, and I'm going to kick your ass. I think that's so great. That, that the Again, it was like, Adam Cole's so small. He'll never be our big star. He's so tiny. He's so small. For being a, such a small dude, and yeah, he is, he never backs down. And that's the thing that, that makes him such a great heel champion is he's not a coward. He will always bring the fight right to you. Yeah, he's got three guys for backup, but if you had three guys for backup, sure. wouldn't you use them? In the matches, though, he never backs down. I think that's so great. And he gets in the ring, and the, the blood, total happy accident, did not, couldn't have been planned, but it added so much to it. He, he takes it, he realizes he's bleeding, licks his own palm. That was so great. And then he can't find the pen, so he gets another pen, and he, and he, he signs it, and then he takes his own blood, and he smears it all over the contract. By the way, um, that's how you actually do a whole contract signing written in blood SmackDown. You don't have red lighting to obscure the fact that it's blood on the contract. This was really, really great, completely impromptu. It shows how, what an amazing sports entertainer. He does say that he is this, the greatest sports entertainer who has ever lived. That's what Tommaso Ciampa says he is. And man, the ability to be able to improvise on the fly and create so much more drama by utilizing the blood involved, that was so, so, so great. I cannot wait for this match at TakeOver Portland. It's going to be awesome. Another little touch that I loved is, you know, you see Undisputed Era all laid out in the back, and you see Ciampa come around the corner, shirt torn, limping. Like, he he got into a fight. He didn't just take these guys out. Like, he laid them out, but it showed they actually mm-hmm. got their licks in. And it, it's a little touch, but as you said, Ciampa is such a good sports entertainer. He's like, I'm going to put these guys over even though I kicked their ass because they still got some licks in on me. I, I thought that was just a small little thing that played really well. Tegan Knox defeated Dakota Kai uh, as well in our following match they go right right after each other straight straight off and i mean there was no other way to start this match there's a lot of bad blood here kai got some kicks in Knox got a sent on in and they brought into the audience then back to ringside and kai cracks a kick across Knox's face my god that was that looked a little brutal um kai swing uh, dakota kai swing swings the uh, neck brace but Knox ducks it and instead Eats a German suplex, but uh, Candice LeRae arrives um, uh, arrives at ringside to keep Dakota Kai from using a chair against Tegan Knox. And as the referee is distracted because of all these shenanigans, Knox uses the knee brace across Dakota Kai's face. 
to knock her down and get the win. A little distracted win, little a, a little a little uh, uh, shenanigany win, Alex. But uh, you know, I it was a short match. I think they went at a great pace. I bought into the the ferocity of it, and it kind of leaves the door open for for more possibilities. I don't think it's entirely closed here. Well, I mean, I hope not. Because I mean, this was if this was the last chapter of this blood feud. True, it's highly unsatisfying to me. Um, uh, and if you're going to have a sec another chapter, this is the w- weird thing to do. The the way the, the is poetic. Like she's able, Tikanox is able to beat Dakota Kai by using the brace that Dakota Kai ripped off of her to start the feud. Like that's that's a poetic end. To, to the feud to do it to do it in the transitional match seems really odd um and and if you're gonna have this kind of like you there's so many ways you could do it you could do a DQ you could do a double count out they brawl out into the crowd uh Dakota Kai runs away and and because of what because of they could have had like a lumberjill match no no I'm they saying could like they could have done but it wouldn't have been a good idea things. they shouldn't do that uh, wouldn't have been a good idea uh, a cage match, whatever it is, to like keep sure. these two together so they can't leave or whatever. Um, or a straight up notice qualification. All weapons are legal. Whatever it is, that's that's your feud. But you don't get to that via the babyface getting a pinfall victory. That's that's not usually how this is done. I'm I, I trust NXT. I believe they have something in the works. If what they have in the works is nothing. If this was the end of the feud, nah, I'm not cool with that. This 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 deserved to have a blow off match at Takeover. If it still gets one, great. But they got they got to it in a really roundabout way. I don't think it's the the end of the feud because if you if you look on the NXT social media, they posted a picture of, of Regal um, like showing the the knee brace to to Knox and basically being like, you really like use this to win. And so it seems like they're gonna keep it going you could i'm with you that the babyface winning this first match is kind of a, a weird way to get to whatever the end point especially with how poetic it was but you could spin it as kind of dakota kai being like you're supposed to be so pure and you use this knee brace against me like are you turning yeah. into me type of thing so there, there's ways they can get around it i don't think this is the end of the feud though i i would be shocked if it was chelsea green was defeated by caden carter on her debut match on NXT as part of the Robert Stone brand, I'm just going to throw this out there. And I know I know he's a friend of the show and so on and so, you know, he's a friend. Well, not friend. Of, he's a friend of Fightful. Malcolm Bivens, Stokely <laughs> Hathaway, Jeremy. Why isn't, why? I mean, uh, Rep. He was dark segment tonight. He's getting there. Robert Stone. I mean, I'm okay with Robert Stone. That's not the pro. That's not the issue. <laughs> Why Why are the? I don't understand why they're still sitting on Malcolm Bivens at this point. It's ridiculous. I think I think they the, because the the guys he's quote unquote managing on the house shows ain't ready for prime time. I think they got to find the right guy for him to to get to get you know or gal his, his hooks into and manage or gal. I mean I I feel like if you're doing that with Robert Stone, that's 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 it. That's sure. the gimmick. Like I feel like it'd be weird to like have the uh, Michael Bivens do it as well, but but whatever. Um, I, I like Chelsea Green a lot. I uh, she's got this weird version of a curb stomp thing 
where she like uh, pulls arms back in a surfboard, puts her her uh, her foot between the shoulder blades, and then shoves them in the bottom turnbuckle. Mm-hmm. That looks just vicious. I think this is really really great. It's a weird thing to be like that they they obviously had planned for Chelsea Green and Deanna Perrazzo to be a tag team. They 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 gave them logos with the same font C and D like they. They, they debuted them standing next to each other at a takeover. And they're like, okay, just kidding. Uh, one of you is going to be with, with Robert Stone. We're going to be doing this thing. The other one is going to be separate. You're both going to lose. It's a, it's a, it was a weird thing. Um, I think that's cool because Caden Carter has, a, a, again, a very interesting energy. She's, she's very um, upbeat. Like a lot of people like can really, she's an easily root for a bull baby face. And and Chelsea Green has a lot of great heelish tendencies. I I think we're gonna get more of these matches. It'd be kind of like a cool little um, uh, like, hey, every time these two women wrestle on on NXT TV, it's fun to watch. But I don't feel like it's gonna like really lead anything. Um, but I I did like uh, Caden Carter being smart enough to do the small package out of the uh, woman <laughs> opponent taunts the the crowd by saying. Take a picture; it'll last longer. Because she's Pee Wee Herman. The uh, it, it was it was a it was a surprising result, right? It was surprising, and I think yes, it, it it all depends where they go with this moving forward. But I agree, Caden Carter has upside. There's no, there's nothing. Uh, I don't think there's anything horrible with this decision outside of just it being a little weird that you know. They put Chelsea on uh, on some main roster matches. They put Dion on some main roster matches. Bring them back to NXT. And they both lose like on their debuts or re-debuts, whatever you want to call them. It's kind of, kind of interesting. But the match was fine for, for what it was. Nothing much to it. Otherwise, the Broserweights defeated the Grizzled Young Veterans to become the 2020 Dusty Cup Classic winners. And to face the undisputed era for the NXT tag team titles at um, at uh, Takeover Portland, Jeremy. Interesting enough, the Broserweights defeated nothing but UK teams to get to this point in the uh, in the cup. Uh, well, it was all NXT versus That's NXT true. UK stuff, so it makes sense that they. It would beat in a uh, NXT fantastic UK analysis. Teams. Warren. I... Thank you very much. The there were, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. The um, there were uh, I I really enjoyed this match. This was a lot of fun. There was a lot of big moves by the baby faces early on. Big suplex by Riddle and the moonsault on the floor by Dunn. Um, the grizzled young veterans hit the pescado pile pile driver onto Dunn to the floor. I'm always a little surprised when. I see pile drivers in WWE. Uh, Riddle gets some great offense in on on Gibson, a senton, a PK, and a German suplex with a bridge. And I mean, uh, tonight, Matt Riddle looked like me playing WWE 2K and spamming the senton button. Because that, Alex, that's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's all he was doing tonight, but it was fa- it's not a, it's not a knock. It was fantastic. Yeah, uh, no, I'm I mean I'm I'm completely in love with the Broserweights. Uh, just com- completely in love with them. Um, and this this is great because Grizzly Young Vets looked great too. There's a couple of great things that assisted, um, uh, assisted like I think it was a shoulder breaker onto Dunn on the outside that 
Jake Drake went over the thing. That was really great. Um, my my favorite thing, though, by far, was was near the end where they had uh, Riddle set up for the what's the what's their finisher uh, called? The, the uh, ticket to ride. Set a cool ticket to ride. Um, the, they had set him set up for that, and I love when things uh, when moves are obviously countered. Like it's so perfectly done. Like, oh, of course he would counter it with with that. So that 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 um that Riddle was able to like go back over, so that he was able to then do the the uh, his finisher, the the bro the bro mission, bro, the bro, 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 bro Derek, bro Derek, bro, bro Derek, bro Derek. Yeah. Um, that that he's like a little gotch uh like thing that he does that that was so cool that but it went directly from one to the other one. All all that all of Dunn's and 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 Riddle's um tad, tandem offense. It feels like they've been doing this for years. Like all of it makes perfect sense. They found ways of working in each of their stuff. The fact that it's like, Hey, on a whim, how about we win this tag tournament? We've never tagged before. Um, yeah, that's, that's great. That's kind of the, what that's kind of the key to success in the, in the dusty classic. I mean, first it was like Samoa Joe and Finn Balor was like, Hey, why not? Let's beat all these other tag teams. I like, I think it was like twice we've ever gotten, um, a, a, an actual tag team win this thing and three times not. So um, you mentioned it being a, a, a UK team that they were facing there. They faced all UK teams. It was weird to me that once it came down to the Broserweights, uh, a stateside team and the Grizzle Young Vets, uh, a UK team, they didn't just say, you know what, let's do this at Worlds Collide. Mm-hmm. Like it was sure. a perfect time for it. It, not, neither neither team was involved in the that you could you, they could have done it there. That was what I'm saying, but I'm I'm fine with this. Obviously, the result is correct because you get the broserweights uh, versus uh, you know O'Reilly and Fish, um, which is going to be an amazing match. I, I, I'll tell you right now. I I I think they should pull the trigger. I think that the, the story coming out of um, of uh, Takeover Portland should be. The prophecy, which had been fulfilled when all four members of, of UE were holding belts, now is no more. I think that Cole should lose, and UE should, and and um, and old Red Dragon team should lose, and you have them now try to pick up the pieces and move on, figure out where they're going to stand after that, because you could easily run a lot of these great teams versus um, versus Dunn and Riddle and have fun yeah, fun there's matches. There's a lot of great stuff to still have here, Jeremy. Do you have any? Uh, any final thoughts on the match? I thought a tad long. I thought it was going to end with the the bro to end, I guess they yeah. called it. Yeah. I, I really thought that was the finish, and I was shocked he even kicked out. Like, all right, if you're going to make the save, fine. Like, don't like don't kick out of something like that. That's combining two yeah. finishers right there, and you're going to yeah, kick out they, of it. They, they, that has been used on all three matches, and all three matches it's not been the end. Because they have the other thing they do, which yeah. is like the knee and the kick. And that's the thing that, that wins it. I agree with you. They call it the riddle end instead of the bitter end. And I agree with you. That should be your finisher. That's, yeah. That's it it finisher. was. So I, I thought it should have ended there. But the, even the closing stretch was still really strong with um, I like when it didn't end there. I thought Grizzled mm-hmm. Young Vets were going to win because they, they hit a yeah. lot of like big moves on uh, Riddle and Dunn. Was, was Dunn legal? Uh, f- uh, no, 
he scored the pinfall, but I feel like Riddle was I legal will. for some reason. Yeah, I, I, to me, every tag team match now is an AEW rules match. I don't know who's legal anymore, and it doesn't really matter. But this was a good match. It was a great way to end the show. Just like it's a great way to end this show as well. We're going to wrap it up for for this evening. Uh, thank you all for, for tuning in. I want to thank my two cohorts here as well. Jeremy, who, of course is the master of all articles on fightful.com but also you have a project now you have a podcast with our boy joe as well tell us about that yeah the distraction every thursday at seven i think that's our time slot we're we're new to the time (laughs) slot um yeah we we talk about a lot of different stuff and we we hope our bosses don't listen because we don't always talk about wrestling i i i am on the record right now i'm going to give joe and jeremy money for them to do a a rewatch and recap of backlash (laughs) 2018 I want that to happen. It'll be a good time. Alex, let the people know what you do around these parts. Um, uh, you can follow me on the Twitter at uh, Alex Sour Graps. Uh, the reason the Sour Graps is in the uh, Twitter handle is because I have a, a show called Sour Graps on FightfulSelect.com, um, which you should totally subscribe to, even if all you use it for is my podcast, which you totally should listen to. It's a great one. Um, at 62 cents an episode at, at, at maximum. Sometimes if there, I, I might, I might do an extra one. That's, that's really, really good deal for, for just my show. Plus you don't just get the show. You also get all kinds of other stuff. You should totally subscribe to FightfulSelect.com uh, and watch you can trust Sour on- Graphs. You get Sasha Banks and news. Sasha Banks news. Yes. You can get more of Honest Alex Palowski. <laughs> Over there on uh, on FightfulSelect.com. And you can follow me as well on Twitter at Mr. Warren Hayes or at my own channel at YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all very much for tuning in this evening. We'll see you next time. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.